Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Bass is pumping, it's the soundtrack to your Monday because it is time for DLC and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in. DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Squarespace, and brand new sponsor, 5-4 Club. They made that possible, bringing DLC to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff 2 ns one t Kanata, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend-slash-co-host-slash-nemesis, the guy who has never, not once, blown a 16-point lead at halftime, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello. Hello, sir. Hello. Oh, you sound uh you sound like you're in a really good place this morning. I'm I'm pretty good. I just like picturing uh I personally enjoy Squarespace sponsoring episodes because I picture your neighbors just thinking, What the heck? Every couple <laughs> of weeks this lunatic just yells Squarespace for an, and like they've all signed up, but they don't know like the offer codes, so we're not getting credit for it. <laughs> I know, it's such a bummer, right? I, my building is is a completely Squarespace compliant, and yet and we get we get no credit for it. Oh yeah. man. Oh, uh, we're excited. DLC, of course, is your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. But this week DLC is back to being a recursive acronym because it once again stands for DLC Loves Canada. Because we've got friend of the show, Toronto native. And feature content director at Joystick.com, Mr. Zav D'Amatos. He's back with us. Welcome, Zav. Squarespace! I thought I was just to do that, too. You're welcome to hey, do that at up, any guys? point. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me again. Oh, it's so fun to be here every single time. Oh, uh, we love Except having you, buddy. Time. Oh, that we're not gonna, that one time when you were on and I wasn't is what you're referring exactly. to. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we love having Zav. He's awesome. You should check out his stuff over at Joystick.com, including... A new video that he put up recently uh, featuring a couple of other handsome fellas, right, Dev? Yeah, we had, uh, we're doing a new series over at Joystick called Off the Grid, where we're playing some board games. Finally, I convinced the, the higher-ups to allow me to do this. Uh, and uh, I had Christian and Jeff, and we played XCOM the board game, which isn't even out yet. Yeah. It's coming out, I think, in a week or two uh, from Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah, check you check it out. out. It's a really cool video. It was fun. Uh, Christian and I went over to Zav's place and we, we had a good time. So check that out over at joystick.com. And we will be talking more board games later on in the show uh, during the Tabletop Time segment. But we have a lot of news to get to. So let's do that now, starting with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week of course is the part of the show where we discuss the major news stories of the week and we make our case for the most important stories 
or our favorite stories. We've got a lot of cool stuff to choose from. This is also the part of the show that you can submit your stories for our consideration uh, by using our hashtag over on Twitter. Hashtag is DLCSOTW or, or by visiting our subreddit at subreddit, excuse me, at reddit.com slash r slash 5x5DLC. So we got some stories here. Zav, as our guest, you get first pick. Uh, what uh, What's your story of the week? I'm going to go with favorite and not biggest because my favorite story happened today, and that was 2K and Firaxis announcing Sid Meier's Starships, brand new game coming out of that studio. I'm super excited about it. The last thing Firaxis did, of course, was XCOM, which I loved. Or I guess it was actually Civilization Beyond Earth. Yeah. Um, totally forgot that that happened. But... Uh, Starships is interesting. It's it's starting this. There's this trend going on. I feel like Starships are hot after <laughs> after Citizen uh, after Star Citizen made seventy million dollars through crowdfunding. I think every other company was like, you know, we should probably do something with Starships. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. It's they haven't really talked about it at all. They just have a video. The video looks great. It has like a combination of uh, comic book like art and some uh, CG stuff in there too. I think it looks fantastic. It, it sounds a little bit more like arcadey combat, maybe survivalist, a little FTL, a little uh, you know X Wing built mm-hmm. into there too. We don't know too much about it, but I'm excited for what they could do with something like that. Yeah, you've sort of made an, uh, a fun, inadvertent point there at the beginning too. Though is it seems like this is, or at least they're trying to tie this in a large sense to Beyond Earth, which didn't I don't think made the splash that any of us thought it might uh it certainly i think pleased some real hardcore fans but i i know it turned off some some real hardcore fans of the civ franchise as well i think that people found it to be um not the alpha centauri that they were looking for but um i certainly enjoyed a lot of beyond earth i was very excited when it launched and it looks like starships is going to have some sort of interoperable functionality here between those two franchises uh as you said we don't know what the game is going to be i'm kind of hoping it's going to be much more star control which is an old throwback game from my youth that i loved um so i'm hoping it's much more strategy than it is you know x-wing or wing commander-esque first person or you know piloting of of ships i i really like the star control model of of still being a 4x game um You know, but either way, it's really going to be interesting to see what this is. I mean, they specifically called out combat, but they did also say strategy. I mean, that's sort of their bread and butter. So I would right. imagine it's probably more strategy. I'm maybe I'm being hopeful and thinking that it's going to be another space combat sim because I've been playing a lot of those lately, mm-hmm. uh, and I would love to see what they do with that. But yeah, it's probably more strategy based. That's that's more up their alley. But uh, I think if you know Creative Assembly proved anything, you can go from RTS to any genre. And be pretty successful with it, yeah. Like they were with the Alien franchise. Christian, what's your take on this? I'm I'm split. I agree with Zav that starships are so hot right now, and I'm wondering. (laughs) It's so it's so weird because a lot of these games haven't come out yet, but I'm already feeling market fatigue just from hearing about them. If that makes (laughs) sense, and they're not they're not out, and I wonder which game. Which one of these, and, and Jeff, I'm curious if one you agree or two, you can make a prediction, which one of these will feel that? Because, you know, zombie fatigue definitely, we're still getting lots of zombie games, but zombie fatigue was a real thing that happened where people were over it. And games, you know, took a hit that they otherwise, I think, maybe would have done better. Now it's monster, and I'm 
getting on Monster Fatigue too. Um, but which one of these games doesn't live up to this hype? Because everybody's chomping at the bit for you know reliving Wing Commander glory, X Wing glory, all of these games, and none of them are out yet. And one of them, at least one of them, is not going to live up to that expectation, right? There's no way these are all amazing. Well, I mean, Elite Dangerous is out. So you can purchase it now. It is available. And I think that one lives up to its hype. I, the one that I'm worried about and the one that I actually really enjoy uh, playing is Star Citizen because it the budget for it has become so bloated because so much money has been poured into it. So they keep you know adding more ideas to it. Now they're working on a first-person module and they've shown it off and it, it looks fun. But the game is not a game. It's, it's a bunch of pieces of a game and a bunch of ideas. And I think that if those ideas come together, fantastic. But right now, it's just a lot of ideas and, a, and a b- bits and pieces of tech demos that you can play of those ideas. And it, it all looks great, but that's the one I would be more worried about. Elite Dangerous was also a crowdfunded game. And in the time that it's, you know, in, in less time than Star Citizen's crowdfunding happened, I believe, they made far less money. That game is already out and super popular. It has great features. You can play it in Oculus. I mean, that game is fantastic. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that during the playlist, which I'm excited to hear more of your take on Elite Dangerous. Um, I I feel like a, a lot of these games, I guess we should list off the ones that maybe you're talking about, uh, obviously Star Citizen, but No Man's Sky. Uh, what what other games are on that list? Because I, I feel like this game isn't going to be that. I, I We don't know for sure, but I have a feeling this game, Sid Meier's Starships, is not going to be that at all. It's just going to... I think it's going to be much more about constructing a starship, taking the starship around, and I suspect if it's going to have some sort of cross-compatibility with uh, with Beyond Earth, I, I suspect it won't even be from a in-cockpit perspective. I think it'll probably, yeah, probably be... probably not. Um, you know. You, Go ahead. Um, you, could, you could sort of make that assumption based on the platforms it's coming out, like it's coming out on iPad, for example. Right. Yeah. So I would just assume that it's probably RTS with like a tenuous connection, maybe to to, to uh, Beyond Earth. Uh, also, X Dice um, leads uh, founded a company called Fugitive Games uh, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, and they announced their first game, which is called Into the Stars, which is right. another uh, space survival sim. Well, the good um, thing about about a lot of these games, though, uh, I don't think Elite Dangerous is like this, but um, certainly Star Citizen has shown and um, No Man's Sky is that the the flying part is just one part of a larger whole. There's going to be stuff outside of the cockpit. There's going to be, you know, in the case of Star Citizen, there's a whole first-person shooter mechanic. So I think that that will mitigate the, the any kind of fatigue that, that might happen, is that you'll get to choose when to be doing that and when not to be doing that. Um, I would like to point out what's happening in the chat room, because I happen to love it. Uh, somebody is saying Sid Meier's Jefferson Starships, and then somebody else is pointing out that the the sub line the uh, tagline for Sid Meier's Jefferson Starships should be "We built this city," <laughs> which I love. <laughs> oh, good job, guys! That's why I love the chat room. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I think I think that uh, I think it's a little premature to say fatigue already, don't you, Christian? No, no. I, I'm I'm legitimately feeling it. I mean, when you asked me to list the games, I guess I could only really come up with four in my head. But maybe it's because they all are, or we are of a certain men of a certain age. What was that? That was a TV show, right? Um, we're all of the same age where we did kind of grow up on these things, and they were around so much, and there's been so much hype around them. I, I don't know. I'm nervously excited, and I feel like now with this one getting announced, it's another um, potentially ambitious project from people with pedigree for making great games. And 
I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm scared. So it's the fatigue Always is real. Always looking for at me. the cloud instead of the silver lining. How cool is it? How many years have we been begging for them to make these games again? And now they're doing it, and now you're like, oh, there's too many people doing it. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, at least you cop to it, uh, <laughs> Christian. What is your uh, What is your story of the week pick? So I know we're going to talk about the Nintendo Direct, and I think there is some important stuff there. But for me, it's what everybody was saying, um, and everybody is probably pretty excited about it, except for the guy or gal that bought their Xbox One the day after the holiday price drop ended, um, because Xbox One returns to its special holiday price, you guys. (laughs) After two weeks. (laughs) So which means if you bought it the day that the price went back up, you're out of like Best Buy's price match return period. So cool. <laughs> I think though, one. I think that the reason this is happening is because nobody bought it after the price went back up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was it? So this is, I think, big news. Well, one, I always like uh, getting into the pricing and and the businessy side of things behind things. I think it's fascinating. I think the Xbox One, if or when we ever get a book on its launch and release and development, is going to be a fascinating. Harvard Business School case study or something like that. But this is so interesting to me that there's, in my opinion, there's no way that this was the plan from the get-go. To raise it up for two weeks and then lower it again, maybe because they wanted to get another press cycle, but I think they could have gotten it just by keeping it low and saying, because of the overwhelming demand and success and as a testament to our fans' desires, we're going to keep the price at you know, 349, you know, let them eat cake. And this is just crazy. It went up for two weeks. And I mean, was there just a drought? And someone was like, uh, lower it again. And they were like, yay. Uh, <laughs> like what, well, what's the, what's the science behind this? I, I don't know if it's science, but I think in that two weeks, <laughs> the NPD da- data came out and the Xbox was the best selling console again for a second month in a row. And primarily, you know, in November, it was because of all the black Friday deals. In December, it was because of the holiday price drop. And that's a good narrative, uh, you know, that that system is picking up pace with the PlayStation 4, which, by, by the way, outsold the Xbox One throughout 2014. Uh, you know, that is official numbers that Sony has released. Uh, so they have, they've caught up with them in terms of the last two months in sales, uh, according to NPD data, which is only the U.S., which is only physical retail stores, and not all of them. It doesn't count like Walmart, for example, or Amazon. It doesn't count digital stores as well. But they're doing very well, according to that data. Uh, so I think that might be it. I mean, that console, they're in a place where I think the PlayStation 3 was at, at a certain point, where they were at such a high price point, and they were sort of adamant that we we're going to stick to this. And then they started dropping the price. And it started to pick up some steam. Of course, it does very well in, in Europe and in Japan, where Microsoft is not doing as well. In Japan, not I, they're not existent, really. But, you know, I think that's what it is. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was like, you know, the, I don't know if they're getting real-time data like that, like consistently, where they're like, oh, man, we've sold this X amount less the, in the this Hudsucker, week. The Hudsucker yeah, proxy ticker is just going in the background. I think they always intended to do it. It just stinks that there was that two-week window where they're like, ah, forget it. Let people buy it for the regular price. That stinks. And hopefully they'll mitigate that by allowing people to download some free games or something. But I think that's what it is. I think it's the data. It's the narrative. And I think in North America, they're doing, they're, they need to do better uh, because this is their territory. Yeah, I think it's as simple as this is the price people will buy this at. <laughs> and so we, we better set it. And maybe there was some sort of 
marketing wizardry. I mean, I don't know if Mark is available for a call, but I'm, I'm sure there was uh, some marketing wizardry that happened uh, as far as being able to call it a special holiday price in order, you know, yeah. and you have to say, well, it's not that sometimes, but I think this is probably going to be the price at which Xbox One is going to be sold from now on. And that's good. It's good for consumers to have a have a... Uh, easier way into this to this console, and you know, bravo! I'm I'm glad that they're doing it. Yes, it's a bummer if you bought it in that two weeks, but um, I suspect that uh, I suspect that the sales numbers actually are pretty big on either side of those two weeks, and <laughs> not really in the middle of them. So, um, in in your opinion, just briefly, is is now is this a price to jump in at? Well, you know, I don't know. I I feel like. For me, still a year later, I'm spending far more time playing games on my PC than I am on either of the new consoles or any three of any of the three new consoles. Um, so there, for me, there still isn't that huge reason to play. I've enjoyed some games on the consoles. I've still, you know, I've found really great things to play, but the there isn't that gotta do it game for me. But maybe Zav, you have a different opinion. Well, I mean, I've, I've obviously been playing, or I've been playing more PC games than anything as well. I, given the opportunity to review something, if they give us the selection of an Xbox One version or a PS4 version, generally I select the Xbox, the, the PlayStation 4 version, because if there's multiplayer, I know that a lot of the other reviewers are focused on that platform. That's sort of like the de facto platform like the 360 was last uh, generation. So for me, I tend to play more PS4 games. 349 is a pretty good deal, although you have to remember that doesn't come with the connect, which can be beneficial in certain spots, like annoying you. If like you if you're trapped under properly. something, if you're trapped under something, and you need to turn your television off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's a great part to, to use so, it for. But I mean, other than that, I would say, you know, 349 is a pretty good price and it's cheaper than the, the PS4, but I've been using my PS4 more between the two of them. Quick uh, follow-up question for both of you. How old or and or new are your graphics cards? Because you guys are both PC Master Race. Have you dumped $500 into a 590? I don't even know. Or, or are you guys still just chugging along just fine on um, older graphics cards? No, I'm, I'm, I have a Titan. So I'm, yeah. I, 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 spent, I, I, spent a, a I also money. have a, a Titan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a, a Titan TI. Yeah. yeah, me too. Uh, but let's not delve into that. No, uh, in this chat room is giving me some hassle. A track is saying that uh, I was never into console games, which is patently false. Uh, yeah. may, you know, maybe in, not in the lifespan of this particular show. The the last year that we've been doing DLC, you have probably have heard me talk about PC games a lot. But during the 360 PS3 generation, I think I was much more a console gamer than a PC gamer, and the pendulum has swung for me. Um, much farther over to the PC side, and it stayed there, and, and I expected it to swing back. Usually what happens is as the console cycle is waning, I tend to you know swing over to the PC side because that's where all the excitement and the, and the highest technology and the coolest settings and all that stuff, and I get to look at games that are really, really pretty, and they look dr- dramatically different than the sort of aged console versions – and I, you know, I swing over there, and then the new consoles come out, and I swing precipitately back because, oh my gosh, the console looks so cool, and it's it's got the new excitement, and it just hasn't happened yet with this cycle for me. Um, I, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are having great times with Destiny and and lots of other games that uh, that just haven't gotten their hooks in me in the ways that PC games are getting their hooks into me still at this point. But it's certainly not been a lifelong situation. It's it's definitely. 
uh, I was for a long time I was much more console than PC, uh, and, it, and it tends to vacillate. So I'm not I'm not a super master race. Although yes, I bought a very expensive <laughs> video card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So here's the thing. I got I got some favorite stories of the week that I that I would much rather pick, but I gotta go with the Nintendo Direct as as the actual story of the week because it is the biggest news item that happened and there was some really juicy stuff dropped in this Nintendo Direct. This was a big big uh, meaty one for for news bits. Lots of game window release announcements. We know when Splatoon is coming in May. Uh we got ourselves a Mario Party 10 uh with amiibo mode so uh, your amiibos have of more stuff to do and by more stuff to do I mean you get to set them on your controller for a second and then play a uh, Mario Party. Uh and uh we got the first cross buy game that Nintendo is doing, which is Mario versus Donkey Kong Tipping Stars. That's where you uh tip your waitress and you get earned stars, I think. Um but yeah, that's cool that Nintendo is finally doing a cross buy game where you if you buy it on Wii U, you get it on 3DS or conversely if you buy it on 3DS, you'll get it on Wii U. That's great. Uh, we also got sort of the big news is that the new 3DS hardware is coming to us here in North America on February 13th for the low, low price of $199 unless you would like to charge your item and then it'll be more. So lots of stuff to work through here. And that's, that's just a, just, just a sort of overview chunk of it. Zav, what's your take on uh, the Nintendo Direct that we got uh, this week? I actually... I'm really excited about buying a new 3DS. I have the original 3DS, which I never really enjoy the form factor, and I never upgraded to the the XL because it seemed like every week Nintendo was turning into Apple and they were announcing a new 3DS. Well, you have been right 2DS. on that one. This, yeah, I mean, and, and the thing that I love about this whole thing, it's it just goes to show that they are making it so difficult for consumers that are not really in tune with exactly the technology exactly. Because if you go into stores now, there's stickers on games that say, works on 3DS and 2DS. And now there's going to need to be another sticker that says works on new 3DS. Right. But people are not going to be able to know the difference because some games will work on this new platform and they should just change the name or I don't right. know. Right. And because that's, that's naming is that confusing. naming convention is so confusing anyway. Like oh, it's, I got it's a new, I got a new 3DS. Well, did you get, did you get the new 3DS? No, I did. did I got a new, new 3DS. Yeah. yeah. No, I did. I got a new it's, 3DS. <laughs> it's the old 3DS, but I got it new. Well, who's on first, you know? <laughs> exactly. It is an everything seller routine. It's just, I don't know, that thing, that that to me, it was the most confusing part about it. Mario Party, I think, is, it's if you're a fan of that, the Amiibo support, they're going to need games to use that. Uh, there's that, and a codename Steam is a 3DS game uh, that has Amiibo support if you have the new 3DS, which uses, that can support the Amiibos. It's another thing that is different about this platform as well. Um, you know, the charging cable was just strange, like... How Crazy. much money did they really? How much money do you really save by not give, giving people a charging cable when you sell it at retail stores for nine dollars? It's insane! Like, it's insane that they, you could conceivably have parents buying an object for their kids. They play that object; it's out of power, and they don't know what to do at that point. It's like you got to go to the store yeah. now and buy a. Uh, it's insanity to me. Having having worked in retail and having been in a situation where a parent you know, decides, yes, I will buy this box off the shelf. And then you tell them something like, well, you need a memory card, which is $30 more. And you need this to make it work. At that point, you're losing them. They're leaving. 
They just want something simple. They want to buy a box off a shelf and give it to their kid. Their argument, Nintendo's argument, is that it's going to be specifically, they think that people are going to upgrade and all of the old cables work. That's fantastic, but this is also a system that has games specifically designed for it. So if you have a child who was maybe too young for 3DS uh, that you now think it would work for them, you now have to purchase this system for $200 and then spend at least $10 extra to get a cable. You know, hopefully they're buying it at stores where people have product knowledge because I'm afraid also that, you know, they're going to buy it at a, at a big box retailer that doesn't know much about the, the thing and then they're going to go home and then make that realization. That's going to stink. Yeah. So they, as long as people have product knowledge and give them that information, that's fine. But they're making it so confusing. It's like their most, it's their most successful uh, console on the market now. And they're making it very confusing for consumers to get exactly what they need to make it work right out of the box. Yeah, I think that I think Nintendo is making a mistake in in constantly seemingly designing their products as an upgrade path. I think that is the wrong mentality. I don't think that you should I think they did the same thing with Wii U. I think they feel like we have this established base, let's give them an upgrade path a la Apple. And I don't think this space is akin to cell phone space. I don't think it's the same thing yet. Uh and maybe not maybe not ever. Christian, what's your take? Yeah, well, I mean, people have been pointing this out in the chat, too, but, I mean, Nintendo's been beta testing this for all intents and purposes, or whatever you want to call it. They've been doing this in Japan and other territories for a while, not including the Charger. I still do think it's crazy, but I think they feel it's a justified business decision because, you know, they've had success there, and they're going to roll it out here to the U.S. My biggest problem with this new 3ds is it its purpose for existing and i know the dsi introduced uh downloadable games and had you know some games that were specific to it but i almost wonder if the 3ds xl was built too well in the first place in the sense that the gba had a bunch of redesigns but they were form factor improvements where they added a backlight then it was you know the clamshell and they did the micro and all these things that were just making it thinner, different, or sexier, easier to carry, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I wonder if with the technology in the 3DS, they don't have a cost-effective way of making it skinnier and cooler because the original DS to the DS Lite was you wanted to get that new system just because it looked better, it was lighter, it was sleeker, it was cooler, and they haven't really made any change in the aesthetic of the 3DS. And I don't understand why this thing comes out versus... Well, I mean, I do, but finishing my thought, why this thing comes out versus a new Nintendo handheld, this is kind of a stopgap. It's a, we need a product refresh in the market. What can we do? What can we add to it? And I think in the past, what they've done is an aesthetic refresh or a minor bump in um, portability or backlight or something like that. And adding that little nub, the the C-Stick nub and games that are exclusive for it, it feels like it's more confusing than it is anything else. And I think it's just... They needed something, and the design wizards at Nintendo, this is the best they could do, unfortunately, until that next big thing comes out. But woof, I think it's, what a Frankenstein. What a Frankenstein. It's so dumb. And this is, again, from someone who is rooting for Nintendo to succeed. (laughs) But what the heck? um, For all intents and purposes, this is a brand new console. I mean, you know, it does have exclusive games and eventually you're going to get to a point where you need this to play the stuff that Nintendo themselves are releasing. Like, uh, you know, Xenocron, uh, 
question time then. Yeah. In the life of this console, Zav, how many new 3DS required games do you think Nintendo releases? I'm guessing under five. Well, there's already three. Okay. Um, so I would think it's a great question. Um, I don't know. See, here's the thing, and I, I don't want to be cynical about it because, you know, we grew up in Nintendo. I don't want to harp on them, but in terms of a business strategy, I think they were in a position where we can't just come out with a brand new device where we're going to have to throw a bunch of marketing behind it as our new stepping st- or a new platform because they're still reeling a little bit from the Wii U. I mean, last year, Wii U had a great year. Uh, it had fantastic games, some great exclusives like Bayonetta was fantastic. We had on the joystick top 10, three games on our top 10 were Wii U exclusive games, fantastic games last year, but the console itself is still not lighting it up in sales, um, lagging, you know, very much behind Sony and Microsoft in that regard. So to then relaunch a brand new handheld, which the handheld market is, is Nintendo's to own. I mean, the Vita does okay, but I'm fairly certain the 3DS worldwide is a huge seller. So they need that branding. I feel like they said they thought we need to keep calling it this so people think it's their upgrade that they can keep <laughs> buying. And I, Nintendo has been doing this for years, too. I think what happened was they were sitting around in a room and they're like, all oh, these people have... 3DSs, and, and they've already bought one. And somebody was like, well, is there any way f- for them to buy a new one? You mean sell people who have 3DSs new 3DSs? Yeah. Well, we could just call it a new 3DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sell them that. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> everybody needs to buy a new 3DS. This game won't work unless you buy a new 3DS. It literally will say that. How, on many, how many games, though, Jeff, in your opinion, how many games will require, not for like a couple of extra features or... Okay, well, you know, in that case, there's only one game that's a specific new 3DS game, and that's Xeno, Xeno Gears. I think Xeno it's going to be a much more of a, a shift over than, than you think, Christian. I think, I think this is going to... In the same way that a you know iPad that's just called iPad is the new base platform for iPad, and it's like, oh, how come when I try to install this game from the iTunes Store, it tells me I can't on my iPad, even though it asks me it's an iPad game? Well, it's because you don't have the new iPad. Oh crap! I think it's going to be the same thing. I think at a certain point, this is going to be the baseline standard, and it, I really do. I really think it's going to shift over, and they're going to try to force that force that upgrade path onto their consumers so over at the end of well let's not even say end of life cycle because nintendo handhelds have i'm sorry but i want to pin you guys both it doesn't need to be a number it can be a percentage but at the you know kind of end of life i know ds's are still out there but let's say five years in five years time of nintendo developed or published games how many require the new 3ds to play not just for extra features but require it well i think i don't think the 3ds will be the 3ds in five years but uh, i I do think that that sooner rather than later the games that nintendo puts out will all all be 3ds new 3ds required okay all right Mm. see i i I don't i don't think so i think i think if you're, th- I, you know, speaking to features, there are multiple games that have features, but speaking to games that are specific to this platform, there is only the one. And it's a, kind of a niche game, a game that I love. I, I honestly think it'll be probably a dozen, maybe. It depends on how well it does, but they're using the wrong game to test it with. If you want to test this out and this people are not going to like this, do it with a Mario game. Do it with a Zelda game. You know, make Majora's Mask right? 3D. 
only on the new 3DS. And you know what? You want it anyway, so deal with it. Like, that's how you do the test for it. And it's a terrible thing that people are going to hate me for saying, but they're testing it on the wrong game. So I feel like they're going to see that, you know, Xenoblade's not going to sell like a Majora's Mask. So they're maybe they'll pull back the reins on it and just do features and not specifically required to do it. There's it's required for that specific game because it's a Wii game. They're porting down and they're trying to maintain the same look of that original game. So maybe that's why, but I don't think there's going to be the entire cycle. Isn't going to switch to the new 3ds. I could be wrong if it's successful, but again, they seem to be making decisions based on their bottom line. And this seems like a bottom line decision. Do you guys want one? Do you, are you going to get one? I am going to buy one just because I haven't upgraded since the original 3DS. And I, there's a lot of games that I would like to play and I don't like the form factor. I have giant hands. So the tiny form factor never really yeah. worked for me. So I figured if I'm going to upgrade, I might as well get the new one because I really want to play Xenoblade again. Cause I played it when it came out on the Wii and I loved it. So that's why I'm buying it. Christian. I am not I, the one uh, I have an original and then I have a 2DS and I, play the 2ds almost exclusively i think it's more comfortable and i got it i think for like 79 bucks or one of those it was like 99 and like a 20 dollar target gift card so i mean i literally just throw it in my bag and take it with me everywhere and i don't care what happens to it um so i won't i won't be dropping 200 dollars on something that then i feel like i need to protect <laughs> and treat nicely it's my 2ds works perfectly when is the last time you powered on your 3ds jeff was it for zelda yeah yes it was. Yeah. I actually, I found my 3DS in a box the other day, and uh, it had Zelda in there. What a good game! Uh, what, Amazing what was the game. game, game? The two, it came out two years ago. I think we were still doing it confirmed at that time. Yeah, yeah, we were. It's That's crazy. how long ago that game came out. Um, the thing that I just very quickly Shovel Knight, play Shovel Knight on it. So good. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the thing that bothers me about Nintendo's ecosystem, and this is just because they're not great at making UI. It's you're going to still require to have your old handhelds to transfer your data to this new handheld but a process from switching from the 3ds to the 3ds xl was you had to take the the uh, flash card out of the old system and put in the new system but you can't do that on the new 3ds because it's now a micro sd card so i have no idea how they're doing this <laughs> they haven't we've asked them like how does the transfer process work and they are not being clear about it because you need to transfer from one system to an, uh, to another and it's you know it's a mess like i've i've had people trade in their original 3ds to get the 3ds xl and then realized oh crap i needed my old system to do the transfer and now i've lost all my games because it's wow. hard uh it's hardwired to the, the platform not your id well, for the 3ds ecosystem see how that works out uh all right let's uh let's take a little break right now and thank our sponsor squarespace you've heard me talk about squarespace before but we've got huge news Squarespace just came out with a new version. It's Squarespace 7, and they've made everything even simpler and easier to use. How is that possible? It was already super simple and easy to use, but it's even better now with Squarespace 7. They have retained the power and complexity of Squarespace, but they've made it even easier. It it Squarespace 7 refines the powerful features of Squarespace 6 into one seamless, unified experience. They've uncluttered your workspace, simplified the whole website-making process by letting you add content and customize your design all in one window. 
If you need a website for any reason, if you want to build a portfolio online, if you want to do a blog, if you want to create anything, even a store, a, a store where you want to sell things, it's so easy with Squarespace. I use it myself. My site, jeffcanada.com, is housed on Squarespace and has been for years and years. I love it. I'm so excited about Squarespace 7. And we're going to give you a free trial and 10% off your order should you decide to buy it, all you have to do is go to squarespace.com and use, uh, excuse me, squarespace.com slash DLC, that's super important, add that DLC at the end, and then use our promo code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, Jeff sent me, all one word, that'll get you 10% off your order, but you can try out Squarespace completely free, check out Squarespace 7, see how easy it is to build really interesting, dynamic cool-looking websites that don't look like every other web- website on the web and don't require you to know all kinds of crazy HTML or or have mad skills. It's all drag-and-drop. It's super easy. Also, Squarespace 7 has new features, like cover pages. Sometimes you just want a simple page to communicate your personal brand or maybe promote a new product or just announce your, your latest creation of any kind. You don't need a, a really complicated site. You just need a cool splash page. Well, cover pages gives you all the power of Squarespace on a single beautiful page. It's easy. And Squarespace has also partnered with Getty Images to bring you Getty Images integration. You get access to over 40 million professional stock photos that originally cost hundreds of dollars. You would normally have to pay hundreds of dollars if you just went to Getty Images. But now they're available for just 10 bucks an image to Squarespace customers. How cool is that deal? You've also got these tastemaker templates now. Squarespace is working with um, all these cool musicians and artists and architects and chefs. And they've developed all these new templates that cater to each profession. So if you want to create something specific to a certain kind of profession, they have these experts that know exactly what is needed in that particular niche so that you could just go right to one of those cool templates, start there, and then fiddle with it to make it your own. It's so easy to fiddle with stuff when you're using Squarespace. And you'll you'll be able to make something that is specific to your brand and your needs. So get started. You get a free trial. There's absolutely no credit card required when you try it. Just go to squarespace.com slash DLC. Start building your website right now. Check out the tools and see what you might might like to use. It's so, so easy. I, honestly, guys, I can't recommend this higher enough. Squarespace.com slash DLC. And then once you love what you've made, you can sign up, use our promo code Jeff sent me, and we'll give you 10% off, all because you listen to DLC. And uh, it shows them that it's a good idea to sponsor this show, which we like as well. So squarespace.com slash DLC and the promo code Jeff sent me. All right, a couple of other uh, really cool stories here, one of which is a super cool thing that Blizzard is doing. World of Warcraft just celebrated its 10-year anniversary. They did a really a really cool stuff in-game. I, I earned my I earned my core hound by going in and doing the Molten Core, uh, which was a throwback to the very first raid that launched with WoW. Uh, that was really fun. But now they're doing something even cooler. Certain players that have been uh, subscribed to WoW for all of the 10 years are getting a statue sent to them, a full-on miniature version of the giant orc statue that is on the Blizzard campus down in uh, Irvine. I've seen it in person. It's, It's really awesome, rad, gigantic, cool orc with a wolf statue. Well, they made miniature replicas, and they're sending them out to certain subscribers that have been around all 10 years now, it's unclear as to whether you have to have an, 
a sustained subscription for those 10 years? I, sus- I suspect you have to have. Uh, I've certainly been around all 10 years and haven't gotten one yet. So I'm, I'm suspecting because I've had certain lapses in my in my subscription that it's only for the people that have been going for 10 years. But if you think 10 years times 12 months a year times 15 bucks a month, that's uh, that's like what, uh, what, 1800 bucks that you're, that you spent on one game just in this, in, not even counting buying the boxes. Um, that's, I guess that's something to be rewarded. And, uh, was it, is it $15 a month to play that game? Yeah. Unless you buy it at large, you know, it's, Tiered pricing that's, based on you know I think that's closer at like eight grand. Did I so do that math completely wrong? Fifty. 50 it's uh, no 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 no. You're right. I'm, I'm I was I was charging fifteen dollars a week. That would be amazing. If they were charging fifteen dollars a week. <laughs> in the math in my head. I mean, but some people is, probably that would pay statue. That. that statue is gorgeous. They have um, they they always debut brand new statues every BlizzCon as well, and they have they put a lot of pride into that art. And I think that that's really fantastic for people who have been playing for ten years who have loved that series for as long as it's been out. I remember working in retail when that game came out, thinking this isn't going to last because I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> well, do you remember? I'm a do you, do you remember when it first um, it first launched and they had to yank it off the shelves because the servers were so overwhelmed that you yes. literally could not buy it? Also, I also remember that happening to another 2004 game, and that was uh, a little game called Half-Life 2, yeah. which launched with Steam, which did not work at all when it first launched. Yeah. No, I remember sitting uh, there at midnight ha- when that unlocked on Steam and going, well, how come this game doesn't work? <laughs> little little <laughs> did I know that last. 10 years later, I'd still be doing that with releases. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> It's fantastic. I, I, you know, I've never, I think I've tried playing WoW. I think at some point you and, and um, Alex um, Albrecht yeah. were playing and I jumped in with you guys at, at a couple times yeah. and, and was like, this seems fun. But then I, I didn't, uh, I didn't play it for months on end. So I was like a level 35 dumbass uh, because like <laughs> I just never spent, I spent all this money, but I never actually played the product. But um, I, I was, I'm amazed at the pace at which that game is kept up. Uh, with technology as well. Yeah. The game looks vastly different now than it did 10 years ago. Yeah. And that's a testament to how much pride they put into that, that particular product. Yeah. And also it helps to have a, you know, a nice big budget to be able to, to invest that way. But yeah, they kudos to them to making the game feel fresh when it's 10 years old. That is, it's, it's amazing. And that's a game I still love as, as evidenced by my rant last week. Um, Here's another story. Christian, you got to give me some dap on this one. I think this is uh, more proof we talked about a little bit last week that maybe the new DLC for Rock Band is a harbinger of, of Rock Band's return. Well, guess what? Uh, this story is submitted by at Gabe, Co- Gabe Kovacs on Twitter using our hashtag DLCSOTW. Uh, points to this survey that Harmonix is sending out to customers, maybe hinting at a potential return to new-gen consoles with Rock Band. So... Um, I am a prognosticator of prognosticators. Is that not true? No, I did. I mean, I'm, I'm looking here at our at our show doc that has a story, and it says Jeff nails prediction, and then next to that it says Jeff smells bad. Um, <laughs> well, that's both <laughs> both are uh, unconfirmed, <laughs> unconfirmed. So, I mean, we talked about it last week again. This is going to be the episode where I try to nail you down on things, and of course, Zav, I would love to get your feet in the cement on this too. Um, is this a good thing? Do you want a PS4, Xbox One, not uh, not an independent, you know, just a guitar, doesn't need a console, like Atari game console stick thing or whatever. Do you want 
a new rock band for the current gen consoles? Yes or no? Oh God. Uh, I will say, I think I'd buy it. Honestly, I remember really enjoying it. I have a huge, if, if that library transfers over, I'll be happy. And I, that would, that would solidify it for me. I'm not a huge fan of putting plastic all over my apartment again. I feel like I went through that so long ago and I got, I I kicked that habit, but I I would probably get into it. I'm I'm excited for something like that. As long as it's not like, you know, rock band Aerosmith or some non, you know, I know that was, that was guitar hero. Oh, um, 20 bucks, hundred bucks. You get a guitar. Let's say a guitar bundle. Oh man. I would, if that's 80, I would love it for to be $80, but that's going to be like, 99 i don't know i feel like if it's i feel like it'll probably be like 89.99 or something and you're both you're both newly um a relationship status upgraded can you still fill your house with plastic instruments jeff are you gonna buy this and what's your price point if so uh you know what i have lately as i said i think on multiple episodes i have such a warm spot it's i've come around i had that you know we went through a, a period where i didn't play that and now i have such nostalgia for those fun rock band parties and just even playing solo just jamming and trying to get the expert down on on certain songs uh i'm ready i'm ready to b- go back and i do have a little room in my apartment that is that is just my my area that i can store crap in i do do i want to have crap stored there no Am I going to get the drum kit version? No, but I'll. I think a guitar is relatively unobtrusive, and I can make that yeah. work. So you have a little, a little room in your apartment, and a lot of room in your heart. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the uh, too long didn't read version of my of my my discussion. Yes. Yeah, I, I would probably have to ask my fiance. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think she'd be into it. I mean, she is uh, a Boston, Boston Conservatory um, graduate uh, and a singer. So, oh, wow, perhaps, you're right there. She's ready to go. She would say, she would say no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in all the plastic peripherals. I would see. I would like the because I played uh, drums when I was in high school. So I would like the drum kit. But That's dr- the thing I liked most about it. Oh, I loved it. But I think that was the it's that was just, the straw yeah. that broke the camel's back on where do I put this crap? You know, that was like yes, it absolutely. was one thing having a guitar, and then it was one thing having like two or three guitars for parties. Even that was like, well, I could throw them in the in the broom closet or whatever. Uh, but then once you got the 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 drum kit, and it was such a pain to put up, so you didn't want to take it down, and so it was just sort of sitting there. That was really the beginning of the end for that franchise. <laughs> Listen, I my my fiance just got over the amount of board games I now have in this apartment. Oh yeah. So I don't know if adding plastic peripherals <laughs> to a video game is really gonna really gonna help yeah. things. So I'm gonna go with uh maybe. For for parties it's super fun. Oh, absolutely. Like, and and I think that it would be and, and you know, again, if my library, which is vast from having owned those previous games transfers over. And I don't imagine that that's going to be an easy feat for them at all because of all the licensing issues. Um, especially since they're not part of Icom anymore, uh, because they're an independent company. I don't know that that's going to be a possibility for them. So mm-hmm. maybe not in that instance, but you know, we'll see what happens. I like the way you both said yes at first. And then the longer <laughs> I let you talk, the more and more it became a no. <laughs> uh, it's true. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, here's another cool thing uh, that I saw this week that is that is really crazy. So there's this website, SteamLeft, at steamleft.com, where you plug in your Steam ID and it analyzes the games that are on that you've purchased that are on your Steam library list, and it uses the how long to beat websites crowdsourced averages for for finishing games, and then it gives you a number that is how many hours of your life you would need to finish all of the games on your Steam list. Not, it does not stop there, though. It also tells you other things you could be doing with your time instead of that. Uh, so I will start. I don't know if you guys have done this yet. If not, I urge you to do it right now over at steamleft.com. Uh, I'm, I, I, I imagine I'm probably on the shorter end of this uh, list. I'm only at 379 continuous hours, which works out to 15 days, 19 hours, and 22 minutes of life that it would take to finish all of the games on my Steam list. Now... I don't, I, I suspect that is including all the games that I have already finished. So I don't think it, it deducts, it, I don't think that's to go. I think that is just uh-huh. cumulative. But, uh, Zav, have you, what's your number? Uh, now this might be colored because I don't know if it, it counts direct purchases or, or also just games that are on my account from, from like a press access, mm-hmm. but it is 18,771. <laughs> Equals to two years, 52 days, three hours, and 52 minutes. Let me just say also, uh-huh. my favorite part of this website, when you hover over the data, a picture of Gabe Newell appears. Yeah, smiling at you. On the website. Smuggling. Smiling at me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for so, me, it's, yeah. I could I watch. I think that's going to happen. For me, it says I could watch Star Wars, the entire Star Wars series, 28 times, which I, I think I may have also already done. <laughs> but, um, What's a- this one's great for my work. It says I could write th- uh, thirty-seven thousand five hundred and forty-three blog posts in that time. So maybe I shouldn't let my bosses hear about this. Yeah, get to work, buddy. Get to work. <laughs> um, Christian, what's your what's your big number? It says could not find a user with that name, and I know it's that's <laughs> definitely me because I'm also I just logged into it, and uh, so I guess zero. I don't know. <laughs> I did it. I think we just found um, out that yeah, it's, not, uh, it's not working for me. I think we just found out that Christian is my Tyler Durden. That you don't actually exist. <laughs> I, I will cop to the fact that I am not uh, a heavy PC gamer. Um, you know, I have a, a Mac Pro tower that I run um, boot camp on to do my, my most of my Steam gaming. And so most of the time I don't bother doing that because most of what I do on my Mac is um, video editing and stuff like that um, for other projects and other people's things. So mine is, I think I could probably list the 10 games that I haven't beat that are on there. So not much. Um, that's why... I, I was asking you guys about your graphics card. So, cause PC gaming, I mean, it's, it's the master race, but woo, it's, it, I mean, it's, it is, it is still scary to step into. And that's why, you know, 2014, January, 2014's big story was steam machines, right? As we did our year review. And I think people are still kind of want to get into that world. But then again, the flip side of that is the beauty of PCs is no, you build your own how you want it. <laughs> so it's that uh, it's that world that I'm still afraid to venture into. Dark Death 174 in the chat room has uh, 6,459 continuous hours. Yammy Claus has only 454. That's uh, you know that's doable. I'm I'm low man. I'm only 379. I don't know. I'm feeling embarrassed about that. I think I I have three. I think probably I have more continuous hours already played in WoW than that. <laughs> I would I would guess that that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, 
very fun site if you want to check it out. It says I could fly from New York to London 108 times on the Concorde uh, in the time it would take me to do this. Fun, fun little thing. Also, uh, maybe a little depressing. I don't know. But uh, an interesting way to wrap up our news segment. Let's move on now to the playlist. Before we get to the playlist, however, let's thank our other sponsor, and that is 5-4 Club. This is a new sponsor, and I'm really excited that they're sponsoring our show because this is the solution to a problem that I have. Legit problem I have. Ask my wife, even ask my mom from when I was a kid. I hate shopping for clothes. I hate it. I hate it. I like having awesome clothes. I like dressing nice. I like looking good, but I hate the process of going to the store, wandering around, trying something on, it doesn't fit right, trying something else, does that thing look good? I don't know. I've already lost interest. Let's go home. That's my situation. Well, guess what? Five Four Club is the answer to my prayers. It might be the answer to your prayers as as well. It was founded in 2002, and it's a contemporary apparel brand. It's based out of Los Angeles, Five Four. And now they have 5-4 Club, which alleviates the stress of shopping for men. But it provides value, style, and exclusivity all at the same time. And all you need to do is you sign up, you fill out a nine-step style profile. So you give them the kinds of things that you think you'll like. Takes under 60 seconds. It's super simple and super easy. And then you never have to worry about shopping again. You pick from three different profiles, t-shirt and jeans, dress to impress, or business casual. And then you select your preferences. All you ha- all your preferences are logged with a stylist, and that stylist picks your package. All the clothing is designed in-house, meaning that no other company can offer the same styles and fit as 5-4. And for just 60 bucks a month, you receive $120 worth of clothing. And they even exchange your sizes for free, and they make it so easy. It is exclusive. It's only available for current members, even the online store. Members are provided with their own referral code upon sign-up that gets them 15 bucks off their package for every friend they're able to refer. And guess what? We're going to hook you up because you listen to DLC. We're going to give you $20 off your first box. Whoa! $20 off your first box. All you need to do is go to get54.com. That's spelled out. So G-E-T-F-I-V-E-F-O-U-R.com get54.com and then use our promo code which is dlc20 off and that is not spelled out it's dlc and then 20off and you will get 20 bucks off your first box you'll get awesome clothes you'll get a personal stylist that is going to make sure you look awesome and you never have to shop which is so rad check it out i'm so excited my first box is supposedly on its way to me so I will report back the next time uh, I ha- I, with the cool clothes that I get. But I'm so excited about this, and I think my wife is excited about it too because she doesn't have to stress about me bemoaning our trip to the mall to try to find clothes. Now I will look awesome, look stylish, and not have to leave the house. I can get more of that, more of my Steam hours played and, and be shopping at the same time. Again, get54.com. And the promo code DLC20 off. 
All right, dudes. Uh, the playlist is where we talk about the stuff we've been playing. Zav, what have you been playing? I've been playing, uh, we mentioned it earlier in the show, Elite Dangerous from Frontier Developments. It was a, uh, it's sort of a revival of an old um, space sim game that was available in uh, primarily popular in the UK, uh, originally just called Elite. And this was a Kickstarter project. It was crowdfunded. Also, there was investment put into it by other sources, I'm sure, because the game is absolutely stunning. And I think, you know, at the tail end of um, Weekend Confirmed, Jeff, I remember I was talking about games like EVE Online and Arma 3 and all these really weird, hardcore games that I got into, Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. I, I, I turned a corner at some point where now I'd like to be punished by complicated systems. And uh, I've been playing a lot of Elite Dangerous with the Oculus Rift, actually. Oh, yeah. And uh, we recently did a stream on Joystick where uh, you saw me, w- you know, activating Stevie Wonder mode, which I think is what everyone looks like when they use the Oculus Rift, <laughs> uh, looking around and uh, trying to land my spaceship and trying not to crash in space. It's fantastic. I don't know if either one of you have actually had a chance to play it or see it. I haven't. I- I've heard such effusive praise about it. The Gamers with Jobs guys love it. I talk to a lot of people who keep telling me to play it. I, it just, I don't know. If I had an, an Oculus Rift, I'd be playing the crap out of it. But I don't yet because I'm waiting for the retail version. And um, I, I just, I want that experience playing this game. I just, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not inclined to jump in uh, without the Oculus on this one. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the thing that I really enjoy about it is it is complicated and has a lot of things that you have to remember like little things like when you take off you have to remember to retract your landing gear or deploy your landing gear when you're landing uh you have to you know call into spaceports and request access to the spaceport before you can actually just land your ship mm-hmm. there's little things like that cool. but the thing that i love about it is uh if you pair it with uh, a third-party application called voice attack you can set it up so you can give your ship voice commands Sweet. and just take care of a lot of that stuff for you. So I have the Oculus Rift on. I tell my ship initiate landing procedures. It calls the spaceport for me. It, it retracts my landing gear and awesome. I just go right ahead and do it. That sounds awesome. You know, and it's that stuff is fantastic. And that's a third party application that can be used with the game. But then there's like, it reminds me of Eve online, which I know uh, you haven't played Jeff, but, um, it, there's a lot of like you can become a, you know a space miner and i don't mean a child i mean you can <laughs> mine in space um you can uh do just trade routes and you can look at the commodities market commodities market Jim. commodities I not love a commodities market i love in you space. know how much i love commodities textiles oh, you know so many things oh, they're all there <laughs> any commodity it's there in that market so you know you could it's it's one of those games where and a little Dark Souls is a little bit like this, where you're not given any push in any particular direction. Yeah. You're given a general idea of what the world is, but then it's go off and do whatever you want and, you know, die and learn as you move. And that's what this game is. And I really appreciate that kind of game in certain spots. It has really complex, complex systems, but it's like Dark Souls, where I think if you don't like Dark Souls, and you start playing it. You're like, oh, man, there's just I have to remember to do this, this and that. There's so many buttons to press. There's so many tactics to remember yeah. but once you start playing it you realize this is a lot simpler than i ever thought well only yeah. dangerous is a little bit like and that. i fell in love with dark souls 2 this year as well even though i tried to resist that game i'm sure i would love this so i think what i'm hearing is that i need to buy both an oculus and this game and i will probably love it i just oh, i want the real oculus to come out already 
I don't want to. I don't want to compromise my Oculus thing. I want Oculus I real, want- not Oculus beta. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully this year, uh, I invite the two of you to come over at some point yeah. and try it out and report back to the uh, DLC community. Let them know what you think. I think it is just it's spectacular to take off in your ship and look above your look above your ship to see if anyone's coming out of the spaceport. Uh, it's fantastic to like go through hyperspace and then you stop in front of a star that's burning your ship up and you see like miss uh, like moisture just uh, form on the windshield. It's so what detailed. What about your commodities? So Are you worried about the commodities burning up? Commodities. Well, that's why I buy raw fish and poultry. That way it's cooked by the time <laughs> I pass by the star. Smart. That's a smart commodities trader. <laughs> oh man christian are you are you down for down for this action no <laughs> God I, I damn it. christian <laughs> i love that i mean everyone everyone listening is expecting my answer right now i love that zav is loving this but i am very comfortable i really like gears of what war. part of commodities really like- do you not understand christian <laughs> God of War. There's grain. There's fruits and vegetables. I could go oh. on, really. I mean, for me, the, the biggest games where I wander around, and, and I mean, it's not even close to this, but like Far Cry 4 or Far Cry 3 or those types of open world games is enough of a commodity for me skinning eight pigs to build a better wallet. Like, that's all I need, man. And, and maybe a ping pong paddle and this lamp and this chair. But otherwise... <laughs> I don't. I love that you love this, Zav, but woof! It sounds so boring. And the fact that it's <laughs> the fact that it's boring and hard to get into. I mean, I'd rather go play. Was it Andrew Yoon or maybe it was? Uh, oh, I think it was probably Indy Jeff Mattis who was trying to sing the praises of Euro Truck Simulator Two. And it, okay, let's n- not go crazy. It's like nope. Uh, <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. <laughs> well, I love it's that also you a love space dogfighting. I mean, it's not just commodities. I mean, if you want to do that, you could go fight people in space and fight pirates and explore the world a little bit like how they're pitching No Man's Sky and discover planets and systems like that stuff, I think, is pretty fascinating. Uh, you know, I want you to try it, though. I want you to come over and give it a shot. Uh, Nomad NP in, in chat is saying that Spicer's already sick of the starship market. Yeah, already. He's <laughs> so, already so tired. He's already sick of commodities. <laughs> Until they add some troopers to these starships, I'm not interested. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, well, what have you been playing, Christian? What's on your playlist? Well, I don't have this down, but I do have an awesome Far Cry 4 story, if I may. Okay, do it. It better be uh, awesome. One of my favorite things is to strap an elephant with a couple of rounds of C4 and, and get them running into uh, into a crowd and then blow them up and have things going. So I have this I have this elephant. We're off in the distance. We're going to strap him up. I get him directed towards the thing. I'm all ready to go. And then out of nowhere, uh, a pack of wolves comes running at me. First of all, living in this world, Far Cry 4, what a horrible... People talk about living in the world of Grand Theft Auto being a horrible world. No, man. Eagles just attack you for no rant. <laughs> Look out, it's an eagle. Eagles are the biggest jerks in the world in Far Cry. Like, here I see a falcon. I'm like, that's beautiful. Look at that big bird. Not in Far Cry world. <laughs> Eagles are huge jerks. So, pack of wolves out of nowhere comes at me, just tearing me to shreds. I freak out and panic. I hit the wrong button. And actually, instead of shooting, I trigger my explosives. I blow up this elephant next to, he was at the outside of the village, next to an exploding barrel that sets off a chain reaction where I have two uh, guns for hire mercenaries coming in. Both of them die. Their truck flips, comes over, takes out the sniper on the top, the bad guy sniper on top of the roof. I spin around 
get the last wolf and I have like no health left and I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I turn and there's a dude, a bad guy with a knife right in front of me that stabs me and I died. It was awesome. <laughs> that does sound awesome, actually. Very cool. It was inc- it was one of those only in that type of game moments that will never happen again that had an exploding elephant, an exploding exploding barrel, an exploding flipping truck, four wolves, and then me dying from a guy in my face going with the dumbest knife animation ever. But <laughs> Christian, just think, instead of all that exploding stuff, you could have had commodities. I, I hate to think about the commodities I accidentally blew up in that village that day. I mean, who knew <laughs> what I've been playing knew, that's not me just uh, roaming around the horrible eagle-infested wasteland of Far Cry. Man, those eagles are jerks. Uh, I dove into PlayStation Now. It's um, The subscription service is kind of out. And also, there's a seven-day free trial if people want to give it a try, which is cool, but I also got to say, not cool, Sony. Not cool, PlayStation. Where starting your free trial, you have to select what paid plan you want to do, either the one month or three months. And it's also default set to auto-renew. So if you buy three months... At the end of that three months, it will automatically then buy you a new three months. And yes, you can go into your options and turn it off as soon as you buy it and you still have the free week or whatever. But I uh, I hate that kind of business practice, especially when you're buying a discrete amount of time to have it auto-renew, I think is, is shady certainly, and, and not certainly cool. seems like par for the course, though, right? I, I can't think of one service like that, video game or not video game, and anything that is a potential subscription. It, it seems like all those companies just put you on auto-renew. Yeah, no, I, I and I think it's annoying every time. So yeah. yes, they're not no, uh, any worse than others, but I, I do think it's annoying. Um, but with that said, I took Uncharted 1 for a spin, and I have not played that game in years. So I, don't, I didn't do a direct you know comparison from my PS3 to streaming it. I was playing on my PS4. But from what I played, I played the first four chapters last night. So it's probably like, what, a third or more of the, of the game? One... I think that game still holds up. Obviously, the the fighting get, got better and the graphics are are better, but the animations are still smooth. The way that they that Naughty Dog does their cutscenes and the dialogue and stuff like that is still fun. The environments are still pretty and lush and fun to run around. And I was having a blast. Like I said, I stayed up way too late playing it last night, and it was impressive. I have to say, if you missed out on those games and you're interested in it, I wholly recommend it. And then I also I wanted to try a little faster twitch type game so i took motorstorm apocalypse for a spin um and i don't i don't know if it if that a racing game pushed the playstation now um tech too far i remember not liking that game when it came out and i still didn't like it (laughs) so but i didn't want to try a fighting game it was late and i thought i'd do a couple of races and I, I can't tell if it's just because of the dirt physics or the explosions or whatever, but the controls didn't feel tight to me and it didn't feel great and super responsive. But again, I was in a buggy riding around a world that was blowing a San Francisco that was blowing up around me. But overall, I'm super impressed with the technology and having it out now in, in 2015. And I hope either enough people try it that they keep working on it and improving on it or they realize that this is basically just a glorified alpha or beta for this tech that come next console cycle, they'll have some other better iteration of it. But like you love Oculus. I love this. Mm. Like this to me 
is the future. I want Microsoft to do this. I want Nintendo to do this. I want it to be in every device. I want to go, like when I'm in North Carolina next month or Austin in March or whatever, I want to have my tablet that has a PlayStation Now app on it and an Xbox Now app on it, and I can just dive in and and pick up and play these games. It's so cool. I know it was Guy Kai on on live, but I I love it. I love it. Hey, I love Christian, it. I love it. Are you really are you able to um are you able to tell like if if I sat you down and didn't tell you if it was PS Now or if it was running from a disc, would you be able to tell? That's what I'm saying. I I haven't done a. I still have my PS3 hooked up, so I will dig up my Uncharted One disc and and do a direct side by side. I haven't done that, but last night, based on my memory of the game of Uncharted One, to me it felt exa- looked and felt exactly the same as playing on disc. That's cool. That said, I I do have a pretty good internet connection. So, yeah. but it was awesome. You should try it. I mean, just go in, start the seven day trial, and then immediately go into settings and cancel it, so you don't yeah. end up paying for it. But pick a game or two, and I'd love to hear your thoughts next week. Yeah. Have you tried it? Have you? I, I did. I tried it in the beta. The PlayStation Now is actually, is actually Gaikai. They bought that company, so that's that tech, and it worked fantastic. And Gaikai, when I tried it out, it just streamed right into your browser, and you could play games like Mass Effect Three, and it looked fantastic. And there was not a lot of lag at all. Um, I'm I'm disheartened by the amount that all of this costs. It's 19.99 a month, or 44.99 if you do a three month package, or you could rent games by the day, by I think by the hour, by the day by the week the, by the month and it's all very pricey to play some old ps3 games um so i that part of it i'm not too fond of um microsoft is there's there's a rumor about a month ago microsoft was looking for people for a project that they were calling arcadia that was um, apparently supposed to replace its um rio gaming streaming tech that they had purchased or created a long time ago uh, that the that's and there's some rumors that the Microsoft 10 or the Windows 10 event, which they're going to talk about gaming, will have some of that built-in streaming stuff for PC and maybe some interactivity between the Xbox One as well, uh, because Phil Spencer is making announcements there for the Windows 10 platform, and I think that event actually is this week. So, I you know I I think the service works pretty well. I'm just not happy with the pricing structure. I think it's very overpriced for what it is that you're getting. But so, uh, thoughts too many. Um, you guys are so excited for VR, and I feel like that's kind of the. I feel like these are in the same. These are cousins, right? Like what? to buy a beta, uh, to buy a dev what? kit for VR is hundreds of dollars, and people are like, "It's worth it." Here's money. Wait, I got to. You're talking about you're talking about something that gives you the experience that you had five years ago, and we're talking about giving you an experience that no one has ever had ever. No, I'm talking about this is the first step in giving you the experience of picking up and playing any game from any device anywhere. Of course, they're going to start. They're not going to start with, you know, Uncharted Four or the new Gears of War, or Halo Five. They're not going to start with this super intensive thing. I think they're rolling it out, but I think to discredit this because it's expensive or whatever is short sighted. The same way that, that you put on the first Oculus and the screens weren't HD and it was what three fifty and you had to hack all the your own totally support. different situations. No I mean the PlayStation way. Now service is tech that is not new. I mean it's tech that's b- built from Gaikai that we've already tried. On live already existed. It's new to the console platform. That's fantastic. But as Jeff said, you're playing games that are five or six years old. You I could go out and buy a copy of Uncharted for less than it costs for me to rent it for a day on that service and play it on my PlayStation 3. 
That is not the technology. My anger at the or anger, my dissatisfaction with the price structure is different from my um, fondness of the technology. I think the technology is totally fine, and I am excited for what that technology can bring us. But I'm not going to let that allow them to charge me $20 a month to play games that I could go out and look at my shelf and just buy right or, or look on eBay or Amazon or any store and buy used for a fraction of what they're charging me to rent it. And you don't okay. even own that product. So I totally agree with that sentence, but I feel like maybe earlier you were letting that cloud, I guess the, the front half or the middle half of that sentence that I think is important is the excitement over where this can lead. I mean, it's someone in the chat um, Maximilian said Google Glass. I mean, to me, it's kind of like that overpriced and dumb, but ooh, man, it's going to be cool. Or a Tesla where, you know, Tesla's 100K for like the Model S, but, you know, they're doing it and this is cool. And I think to me, that's what this is. And I think a lot of what Sony and Microsoft are doing this gen isn't going to be as well received in the UI or become as universal as, you know, Netflix did or Friends List or some of the things that Microsoft did really well in 360. Um, because they're getting feature, they're getting buried. But the things, uh, you know, oh, I don't even know the name of it because it's already buried. And I do this, the the ability for, you know, Jeff and I to stream the same game or for him to join my game or look at my game on PlayStation or PlayStation Now, like stuff like that, that type of tech, I think is way more exciting and way more useful across all future types of applications than for me putting on a headset and sitting in my make-believe room as I have this headset and I'm boxed off to the outside world. Well, And I'm not trying to crap on Oculus. I'm just saying I'm trying to hold this other thing up. And I don't well, I, feel like you guys aren't excited I, about it. You're not wrong about the streaming tech. I, I, I think it's kind of a false comparison. And, and I understand the point you're trying to make. For me, I, I, I do think you have... You make a good point about streaming potentially being a game changer at some point and this being a precursor to some sort of future game changer. For me, what's going to get me excited is the point at which I'll they'll release a new game that is only playable streamed. That to me is when I'll go, oh my gosh, this might be the future and I got to sit up and take notice and get excited about this. I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm in the cult of the new, right? I'm not... I'm just not going to get excited about going back and revisiting Uncharted uh, whenever I want be- and, and having to pay a monthly fee to be able to do that. I, I just, I'm just not going to get jazzed about that. But when it's pay a monthly fee, games will be coming out. You'll get to play any of them. They're new. They're indistinguishable from new games you buy on disc. It's, it's all the same thing. This is just a new delivery method for it and it's easier and it's faster and it's immediate. And I don't have to spend, you know, an hour and a half downloading a game onto my hard drive. I can just turn it on and now I'm playing uncharted four or five or six or whatever. Uh, that to me will be the moment. Yeah. Oculus to me is something that changes the way in which you're experiencing uh, an environment and a game. Whereas PlayStation Now is a service that while you're when you turn it on, you're like, oh, great, I'm going to stream this game. But 10 minutes, an hour into it, you're either going to forget that you're doing that because you're just playing that game or you're going to decry it because it is performing poorly. It doesn't change your experience. It only could hinder your experience, really. Whereas I think Oculus, the reason why I'm excited about it is because it gives us new kinds of experiences. I think the streaming service stuff is really interesting and it's great to see that it works, but it's been around for a while now. I mean, the company that made Sony's tech already existed and already made this available on PC. 
Um, yeah, on live already folded pretty much. I mean, they're kind of a skeleton crew over there, but you know, I think it could be interesting, but I'm just not, I'm not excited to pay a monthly a service fee of that price point price point to play games that don't, that I've already played before when, you know, I just, I don't see it changing the experience for me at all. So the last point I'll make to hold this, this service up now and its potential later, and I, I really do hope Microsoft unveils theirs as people expect them to, is that it, it changes the experience, and it's tough. My limitations with my vocabulary are coming into play. <laughs> experience, yes, we're, we're saying the same word meaning two different things. Where The way it does change the experience is, as Jeff was talking about, like I sat down last night, and I wanted to play Uncharted 1, and I didn't have to hook up my PS3. I didn't have to go into my garage to get the box. I didn't have to buy it off the store and wait for it to download for 20 minutes to an hour. I sat down, I pushed a button, and I was playing it within two minutes. But you were also that, on a seven-day free trial, changing. right? You were on a free—I think it would be different if you yeah. were paying— Well, you also haven't bought an Oculus dev kit. True. I can still be excited no, about right. it. Fair enough. Sure. And, the, and again, the tech— me being excited about the tech, which I am, versus the pricing of it is different. Now, the question is, in a week from now, are you going to be subscribing to it for nineteen ninety nine a month? I am going to do a three-monther just because uh, I enjoy. I want to fiddle with it. Got to um, finish Uncharted like, 1. Like playing in my garage. <laughs> but Kent Doggy Dog in the chat says, what about streaming Oculus games? It's two great tastes that go great. Oh, <laughs> he found a way to join us together, guys. Thanks, Kent Doggy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> See, we can get along. Your, your chocolate's <laughs> in my great. peanut butter. Uh, okay, so uh, my playlist, I uh, I started playing the Talos Principle, which uh, I heard really good things about, and yes, it is very, very good. It, you know, this is the easy comparison to make, of course, is Portal. You're in a place, you're trying to get out of that place, and to get out of that place, you need to you know, solve puzzles in subsequent rooms. Um, and, uh, you know, very similar to the portal little uh, robots that, that kill you. There's little things that'll kill you and you got to outsmart those things or get around those things. And, uh, and I, I'm very early into it, but I'm hooked. It, I'll, I'll probably be talking about this game more because uh, I'm really digging it. Um, but really the, what's special about the Talos principle isn't that, or at least at this point in the game, which is, as I said early on, what what is special is the is the story layer and the way that story layer is conveyed to the to, to the player. Uh, I you know I go on and on and on about discovery in games. It's my favorite quality of interactive entertainment is feeling like I have some sort of agency and I'm utilizing that to discover something. I'm utilizing that to to be active in the exploration of this world and to uncover what skilled artists and designers have, have laying in wait for me behind, just behind the next corner. Right. And Talos principle does that in such a clever way. I'm not going to spoil anything as a, again, I'm, I'm early on anyway, but it, you, you are interacting via these, uh, these terminals that you walk up to and access and the terminals work in a very authentic way, you, you have to, you know, there's commands that are very much, uh, you know, Linux or MS-DOS or old school sort of uh, command level interface type stuff at a prompt. And you're, you're investigating things and you're trying to interact with this sort of AI system, well, not even an AI system, a piece of software, but in a way that 
uncovers more information and the way that information comes to you, it drips information at you and reading uncovers things and you're using your your brain to to make connections between things. It's not all spelled out. There's no cut scene. I just love it. I love it and it's smart and interesting and thought-provoking. Um, so I'll be talking about that game a lot more as well. Have you, Zav, have you had a chance to play Talos Principle yet? No, we had a, a great review from Jessica Condit on Joystick about it. We, um, it was our first review of the year and uh, Joystick actually abandoned review scores. Yeah. We no longer score. And bravo. Uh, reviews. Bravo. Yeah, we were really excited about it. We, th- we, we want to bring the discussion back to about the game and not about the number that's attached to it on some aggregate Good. site. So, but uh, back to back to house principle. It looks fantastic. It, it looks like if you mixed Mist and Portal, yeah, almost. Very, very much so, yeah. And I, I think that it looks, everyone I've seen playing it online, I've watched some streams and, I, and I've seen people talking about it and I've read all, a bunch of reviews. It's getting rave reviews. Yeah, it's smart. It's uh, cool. I, I really yeah. wish it would have come out this year, though, because I think if it came out this year, if it didn't come out to the tail end last year, and more people would have played it, it may have actually made our top ten yeah. at Joystick because a lot of people on the staff really enjoyed it after they actually got a chance to play it. It came out too late. Yeah. Well, I hope it gets the attention it deserves because uh, I'm really digging it. As I said, I'll talk about it more, um, but especially in light of a recent trip to Europe that I made this year, and you know, I went to. Um, to Pompeii, you know, and you can wander around the ruins of Pompeii. Man, it feels just like that. The, walking around Talos Principle, it feels like you're walking around the ruins of Pompeii. Very evocative of that scene. Very cool. Um, or a serious Sam level. <laughs> or a serious Sam. Also, you know, it's made by the same people as Serious Also Sam. historical and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Crow Team, I guess, is the guys, right? Um, the other game, the reason I hadn't played more Talos Principle, A, super busy this week, but B, uh, Heroes of the Storm went into closed beta, which means there's a whole new crop of players. They introduced a new playable character, Thrall, after having just released Jaina Proud more recently. And there's a new map. Oh, man. And and the one-two punch of, hey, guys, uh, as a reward for getting into open beta, one day only double xp so guess what i was doing nonstop that day uh i was playing heroes of the storm again i know this sucks for people that haven't been able to get into that you know invite only situation but get excited <laughs> heroes of the storm is phenomenal yes i am not a league of legends guy yes i'm not a dota guy and i know those people uh definitely turn their nose up at at Heroes of the Storm, they, they they don't want it, but I will tell you, Heroes of the Storm is exactly exactly the MOBA experience I like, and it has, it has phenomenal graphics. It, it looks way better than Dota or League. I mean, by any stretch, and it uh, it has characters that I love. But what I dig about it is the is the map system, and I know that the League and Dota players don't like that, but. The, you know the the hook with with heroes is that each map plays wildly different than the ones before it. They all have a, a central mechanic that is completely different from the other maps and forces you to play the game in a completely different way. And that to me is so exciting. And, and the fact that they released this new map called Sky Temple, and the the main mechanic on Sky Temple is that at certain points during the match, there will be different areas, a random, uh, random selection of these different areas will become active. And then each team races to that area and it tries to hold that control point. And if they can hold that control point, then 
that will trigger laser blasts at the enemy's towers. But while they are controlling that control point, NPC monsters will spawn in that area and attack the players controlling that point. So not only do they have to fend off the enemy players, but they have to fend off these NPCs that are attacking them. It plays wildly different than any of the other maps. It looks awesome. It's got this cool sort of Egyptian uh, temple you know, uh, God of Ra and uh, Osiris and all that stuff, uh, aesthetic that is really evocative and cool and well executed. Uh, And, and it, it, you know, it's the idea that they're going to have these rotating maps and they're constantly going to be introducing new maps and they're constantly finding new ways to flip the script and, and take that central MOBA gameplay and tweak it and figure out new ways to add stress points in certain areas and, make you know there's certain maps that the strategy of tackling a a win on that map is completely unique and completely different depending on what map you're trying um you know they also introduced their draft mode that directly competes with dota and league it's a phenomenal game and i'm so hooked on it i can't speak more highly of heroes of the storm it's great uh, any comments on that, guys? Or are you uh, just sick of me talking about Heroes of the Storm? <laughs> is there is there a date? No, it's Blizzard. There's there's no date when it's yeah. done. But you know, this is an date. extraordinarily polished beta. Um, I think it's gonna you know we're in closed beta. It's gonna go to open beta at a certain point. I think the whole point of them saying double XP on one day was to get as many people playing at once as they could. Stress yeah, test. to stress test it. Um, so, you know, I, I really think this game is going to be huge. The number and breadth of heroes that they keep introducing and the the way that they're willing to create such, such divergent types of heroes. It's not just variations on a theme. It's not item-based like other MOBAs. Each hero really does have very unique talents and abilities. Um, it's It's just... It's just so much fun. So much. And it's free to play. You know, it's free to play. It's got that same, that same microtransaction, you know, monetization technique. So, so if you want new heroes, you got to buy them uh, or you can, you know, grind for gold to, to buy them. Um, and the, the one catch is if you want to play that draft mode, you have to own at least 10 heroes, which is, you know, serious business when it comes to how much it's going to cost. So I, you know, I can understand some gripes there, but, but I, you know, I just dig it so much. And none of us jumped into the Evolve beta, right? No, I, I've been playing it on PC, actually. Oh, you have? Okay, I didn't uh, see yeah, it. Yeah, uh... the, the, the PC version is uh, it's sort of like a preview, final preview build that we, we've been playing. Uh, and I didn't enjoy it when I first played it. In alpha, it didn't work very well. There was a few things that I think they needed to tweak. And it's been performing a lot better, which is fantastic, thankfully. Um, it looks a bit cleaner. It looks like they've really optimized it. At least, you know, on my card, it's, it's working really well. Um, I still prefer playing as the hunters to the monsters because I like that teamwork element and I like the class based shooter part of the, the mm-hmm. game and the, you know, the, the hunting and the being a p- piece of prey and then locking down this zone for this giant monster to be stuck in there with you. I think it's still really a, an interesting way to manage everything. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I was not excited for it, but I've, the more that I've been playing it, I think it's, it's, um, it's pretty fun. 
I would like to get into a MOBA like Heroes of the Storm. When I played it at E3, I think, I thought it was really fun, but MOBAs are like my blind spot. In Dude, games. but this I is just... the game for you then. This It was for me as well. It was totally for me. I was talking to people. I you know, was, I was asking fans to like, oh, you guys teach me how to play Dota or League or anything. And then I got invited to Heroes, and I was like, oh, I'll check it out. I love Blizzard. You know, I like these characters. And it, you know... The gripe from those other players is that this is MOBA for babies, but it's so not. It's just accessible. It's like every uh, Blizzard game. They make it super accessible. They make a, a, you know, a card game like Magic that isn't off-putting like Magic is to, to novices, but has all the depth there of Magic. You know, they do that. They find depth in simplicity. And I, if you have an invite, dude, I would love to play with you because, um, I just love this game so much, and and I need more people to be playing with. <laughs> I think I do have one. So yeah, we should see. do that, man. It'd be great. Uh, all right, we're running a, a bit long, and I definitely want to get to tabletop time. So let's do that now. Zav loves board games. What have you been playing lately on the table? A couple of oldies, but goodies. Uh, one that I actually played for the first time with you when you were still doing TRS, wow. which is uh, Formula D. Yes. I think all three of us have played and, Formula uh, D. Yeah, and uh, I, I still think it's a, a really fun racing game. Very simple. Some really cool core mechanics in there. I was thinking about getting into some, like another racing game like Jamaica or... I know GMT has like a NASCAR game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, I think it's called Thunder Alley. That's a little bit more complex because, you know, their, their GMT games are very complex. Um, and I wanted to play those games, but I thought, you know, Formula D would be a good entry level, I think, because my group is the people that I play ordinarily with. They're not, you know, if you throw too many rules at them. Yes. If, the, if I had those people play XCOM, like <laughs> we played XCOM, yeah. they would be out the door. You know, it wouldn't take, you know, it took us three hours to kind of figure out how to play right. XCOM. Which, if you watch the video, you'll you'll understand. But uh, Formula D still a lot of fun. Uh, good with like ten people, I think is up to ten people that you can play yeah. that game with. And it's just it gets hectic when there's just lane where you roll a big number and, and there's nowhere to go because you're stuck behind a bunch of cars. Just like real life, baby. Uh, that that game would be fantastic. Exactly, man. Just like you know, like you live life in the fast. Lane <laughs> in Formula yeah. D. And I can't drive. Fifty five. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that one I've been playing a little bit. The one that I've been playing the most, though, another oldie, but a goodie. Uh, probably my favorite game right now because I've been playing it so much is Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah, that's Have another. That's Lords another one I think Christian played. Didn't you play that with me and Garnet one night? Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, yeah, I just love it. It was a game that uh, my fiance and I were, were looking to play a board game, and it was late night, and I was like, you know, let's try this one out. She liked Ticket to Ride, and you know, she likes area control games too sometimes so i thought maybe you know when you pull it out and there's just so many pieces in the mm-hmm. game and it could be daunting to someone who's new to, to tabletop gaming and uh but she really enjoyed it i think it's fantastic i love the the mechanic of you know controlling specific zones and then purchasing buildings and it, it changes the game every single time there's some randomization in there too with the cards and how the buildings lay yeah. out I think it's a really fun game. I have not played it with the expansion, though. Everyone tells me the expansion's fantastic. Yeah, the Skull Port expansion, yeah. Uh, I have also not yeah. played it with the expansion yet. I'm dying to. But, uh, yeah, Lords of Waterdeep is so fantastic and so simple and so great and easy to teach. 
for me, it sits in this weird place of being a great entry-level game with a bad entry-level theme. Because usually the people that I'm trying to introduce to worker placement type games are also people that aren't into D and D. Usually the people that are into D and the D and D license are already sort of on board trying something more complicated anyway. So it's uh, it's this weird place of like, yeah, I'd love to be able to get it to the table because it's a great game to to teach, but it's not the kind of game I'll bring out to, you know, another couple friends that come over or, or my wife where it's like, well, she, she probably isn't into the sword and sorcery stuff anyway. Um, but fantastic yeah. game. I took a chance on it. Cause you know, my fiance loves like, you know, Lord of the Rings and game of Thrones right. and in the name of the wind, like those franchises. So, you know, but as soon as you're right, as soon as she saw dungeons and dragons in the corner of that, that board, there was like a moment of, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? So I guess she just assumes like all Dungeons and Dragons are like D&D when you play D&D like as an RPG. Yeah. So I was su- I was pleasantly surprised. She really enjoyed it. Um, she's grown accustomed to me throwing these crazy games at her and, and hoping that one of them will stick. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm really happy about uh, playing it a lot. It's a fantastic game. Uh, I threw a game at uh, my family recently that uh, is a party game. And one it's easy to recommend for people that uh, you know wouldn't necessarily be into real strategy board games. It's called Going Going Gone. It's actually created by a notable person that kind of does what we do a a pundit, a uh, really one of the first board gaming YouTube stars. His name's Scott Nicholson. He um, really cool guy. He actually is a professor now. He teaches uh, at Syracuse, I want to say, and um, uses board games as a teaching tool. Uh, really smart guy, really interesting guy, and he created this game called Going, Going, Gone, which is an auction game, but it's an auction game that's played in real time. It's really clever. The idea is that you're trying to collect sets of certain items. They're all on cards. Uh, you know, the cards will have collectible cars or comic books or fine art, what have you, and you want to collect sets of them, and the, the bigger the, the set you have, the more money you'll get when you sell that set. But the other thing is that not only are they, you know, these types of items, but each card also has a nationality on it. So you can collect a set of cars, but you could also just use those individual cards and have a, a set of things from China, or things from America, or things from Canada, or whatever it is. So it can be a mixed match of the item type, but the set is the nationality. So you're never really sure what another player is going for, if they're going for the nationality, if they're going for the set type. And the clever thing about this game is that all the auctions happen in real time. So you have the cards set up, and each card is associated with a cup, a little plastic cup that comes in the game box, and then one person plays the auctioneer, and they count down from 10 to 1. And while they're counting down, people have their money in the form of these little wooden cubes, and they're able to put as much or as little of their money, uh, as many of their cubes as they choose, into whichever cup they choose. But it's all happening at once, so everybody is madly throwing these cubes into these little plastic cups, trying to be the person with the most cubes in a cup. If you're the most cubes in a cup, you get that card to add to your collection to try to build your set. If you're not the person with the most cubes, you get your cubes back. So there's really no reason to hold on to your cubes. You're just throwing them in there, and this person is counting down from 10, and it's zany and wacky. And the fun, fun rule is that 
the person who's counting down from 10 is able to count down from 10 as quickly or as slowly as they want. So it, it's just a zany, intense craziness. And then they slap down this piece of cardboard over the top of the plastic cups at the end of 10. Then they reveal what's in the cup. And you have this wonderful moment of everybody laughing and looking at what happened because there's so much chaos of t- throwing cubes from all these directions, from all these people throwing cubes into the cups that you know, half the time you don't even know what happened. There's cubes that missed the cups. They're lying on the side. There's one person that put like five cubes into one cup and nobody else put any cubes in there at all. So they could have just put one and one and they wasted five. And it just becomes this hilarious wacky, insane, fun thing that's super accessible to a large group of people and to people that don't normally play board games. And I can't recommend it enough. It, it, we, I just really had a great time and it. It was a big hit with the family members that I brought it out to. It was my wife's aunt was there. She's never played this type of game before, but she was having a blast. Uh, it was it was a good time and, uh, and an easy game to recommend. High quality components, simple to teach and lots of fun. Again, that's going, going, gone. Um, yeah, so uh, good, good stuff this week as far as board gaming. We're going to have uh, more of that coming up in future weeks. I'm working on some cool guests to bring to talk tabletop time, but um, definitely look for more videos from Zav and Christian and I. I think we're going to try to make that a normal thing, right, over at joystick.com? Yeah, I think the next couple we're going to try to do is a game that I've been really anticipating. It's kind of hard to find right now, which is a Star Wars Imperial Assault, yeah. uh, which came out the tail end of 2014. And also the Witcher board game I'm really interested in playing because that's by the same dev of uh, Robinson Crusoe, which is a game that we called out during that video and a game that I know we both really enjoy. Yes, and I would love to say that designer's name, but I cannot pronounce it. Uh it is very, it's very Polish and hard to pronounce. Um, yes, yeah. but I'm very, very much excited to try that game. Oh my gosh. Very, very excited. Uh, and so check those out. And um, that's going to do it for this episode. We still have our parting gift. So stick around for that. But in the meantime, Zav, tell the people where they can follow your exploits. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash XAV. And uh, of course, visit joystick.com. We are constantly updating you with the latest news reviews previews of everything that's going on in the video game world and now tabletop stuff which i'm so excited to bring that to joystick uh i had a a huge conversation with uh tiny minstrel games on twitter they were just asking me a bunch of questions about xcom and i think they've they tasty minstrel games sorry and um you know i i think you know, the, one of their games, Eminent Domain, would be a fun game. I think that we could do in a video. I don't know if you've played I that. I own it. Yes, uh, yourself, it's great. guys. Yes, I I think that that could be a fun one too. So we'll see what brings us uh, into the future with uh, tabletop on joystick. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. And of course, check out our latest reviews. Things like Talos Principle. We have a review on joystick. No more review scores. So just so uh, read. read the Learn text. To read, Let us know people. what you think. <laughs> and um we do have uh, a, a sort of like an editor's choice which we're calling the essentials and that is the very first essential game that we've ever selected uh our new branding for games we really want to call out as high quality so that's available today what was the game that uh, got picked the saints talus oh, principle cool. was our yeah. first awesome. essentials game and today we, there was a review for gat out of hell the new saints mm-hmm. row uh standalone expansion so check that out at joystick.com. Christian, what's going on with you, buddy? 
at Spicer is where I am on Twitter and always enjoy talking to people there. I, I try to reply to everybody. If I miss you, it's um, because I hate you. And it, no, um, but that's the easiest way to reach out to me. If you're in LA tonight and you're listening to this live Monday, I'm doing a, a show at UCB Sunset called Riff Cipher. That's kind of like hip hop meets stand up where if you know, it still is common, but more so in the days of old where a bunch of uh, MCs would get on stage together with one DJ and kind of play off each other and come in and out and, and you know, do a cipher. And this is like that with stand up where there's a bunch of great stand ups on stage and we kind of go in and out of each other's sets and jokes and it should be awesome. Tomorrow, I'm doing another show at UCB um, where there's a show called Winslow Presents Super Team. And Winslow is an amazing team of improvisers. And every week they book um, a team, cap- someone to captain a, a team of, um, you know, super team, of superstars or whatever. And they ask me to captain a team of all stand-ups. Uh, and it's going to be really cool. I have some really, really great stand-ups joining me. And we're going to do a long set of improv, which is going to be fun because some stand-ups aren't good at playing with others <laughs> uh so it'll be very unique and then on the 31st is um my new show man i'm at ucb a lot this month my new show is called trifecta and it's at ucb sunset and it's a uh, stand-up from rory scovel sketch from big grande and improv from the dragons and then february on valentine's day weekend i'll be in north carolina the north carolina comedy arts festival and March is too far away, but I'm on the road some in March too. So, you know, come say hi. Mr. Kanata, are you going to sleep anytime soon or what do you have going sleep on? Sleep is for wusses. I'm, uh, yeah, no, I haven't slept. I, I had in the last 72, actually before last night, I slept last night, but before that, in the 72 hours before last night at midnight, I had a total of six hours sleep. So that was fun. Um, but uh, no, I've been working hard. I, I urge all of you to check out We Have Concerns over at wehaveconcerns.com. It's the comedy show I do with uh, Anthony Carboni. I'm very proud of it, and I hope you give it a shot. Wehaveconcerns.com. It's, uh, it's a fun time. Had by all only 20-minute episodes three times a week. Check that out. And the uh, Slash Filmcast, although I haven't been on the Slash Filmcast the last couple of weeks because I've been so nuts with my schedule, but I will return triumphantly there soon enough. Uh, thanks for listening to this show as well. And we appreciate your, your great comments, your iTunes reviews. And, uh, you can always, as Christian mentioned, give us some feedback over on the Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata. That's with two N's and one T and we love seeing that. All right, guys, before we wrap this puppy up, let's, uh, let's give the people a little parting gift. This is your parting What is a uh, what is a a something you can recommend that might not be a video game to the folks? I've been trying to catch up on the uh, Oscar nominated films, and finally yesterday I got to watch The Theory of Everything, mm. a fantastic film uh, biop about uh, Stephen Hawking, which I thought was uh, pretty outstanding. Uh, but my pick so far of my f- the favorites that I've seen is The Imitation Game, the story of Alan Turing. And his team uh, creating the machine that can decode the Enigma machine mm. during World War yeah. II. Benedict Cumberbatch in that is fantastic. Um, my pick so far, and I haven't watched every performance as of yet, but my pick for the Academy Awards. I know uh, the actor who played Stephen Hawking, whose name I unfortunately don't remember, uh, won the Golden Globe. But still, he was also fantastic in that. 
Um, I like, you know, keep catching up on those movies. So uh, that's going to be my goal until the Academy Awards uh, presents, I think, in February. So uh, check out Imitation Game and The Theory of Everything if you can. Both fantastic films. Cool beans. Um, even though it's not a Oscar pick, you know, I think uh, Lego, Lego Movie is pretty good, too. Christian, what is your parting <laughs> gift? Two weeks until the big game. A couple of snacks and traditions that I like doing for the Super Bowl. You guys can look up. Um, easy to make at home. Muddy Buddies, which is usually like Chex Mix, peanut butter, melted chocolate, and then powdered sugar. We used to on call top. that it's dog great- food. Yep, dog food is also another name for it. A great sweet treat. Um, the peanut butter balances it out and it makes your hands messy, but perfect big bowl, Super Bowl snack. And I really like homemade pigs in a blanket Ooh. where you get little cocktail weenies or now that I don't eat meat, but it actually works really well with like tofu, um, you know, imitation bratwurst. And you take them and you just buy Pillsbury or whatever brand crescent rolls. And put a little cocktail weenie in there and roll up the little crescent roll thing and pop it in the oven for whatever it is, eight minutes. Delicious. And one tradition I haven't done the past four years, but did probably every other year since the game came out until then, is I would always host an NFL Blitz 2000 tournament on my Sega Dreamcast. And um, I think if you guys have traditions or whatever, getting ready for the big game, we have a couple of weeks. Um, let Let me know. Let me know what you guys do. I'm always looking for new fun things i'm fairly certain that christian just recommended tofu for the super bowl so that happened uh also muddy buddies oh that's the show thanks for listening zach okay we're out of here jeff go to sleep uh (laughs) i want to recommend a pilot that you can watch for free right now that is really one of the best pilots i've ever seen uh it's on amazon it's the their amazon's doing their cool amazon pilots thing and my favorite show of all time, I've said it on TRS almost every episode, the best show ever, in my opinion, is The Shield. It was created by a fellow named Sean Ryan. His new pilot is uh, a show called Mad Dogs. It has, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Christopher from uh, from Sopranos. Uh, it has, um, um, uh, what's, oh God, Zach, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember anybody's name right now. Anyway. Amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's about four buddies that go uh, meet Billy Zane in 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 um, Belize, and uh, this crazy stuff happens. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Um, Roman, Romani Malco is in it. He was on Weeds. Um, yeah, Steve Zahn is the guy I was thinking. Michael Imperioli. Michael Imperioli. I actually did a freaking episode of television with Michael Imperioli, and I don't remember his name. That's how bad I am. But... Um, Yes, uh, yes, amazing. Mad Dogs on Amazon Prime. All right, I do need some sleep. That's going to do it for this episode of uh, DLC. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to Zach Holder, as always, for producing the show and making us sound great. Uh, Thanks to everybody at 5x5. Thanks to Zav D'Amatos and Christian Spicer for joining me. Until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Wang and dang 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 and